I would ask you if uh, you would please take your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. A wonderful uh, passage of, uh, of Scripture, often referred to as the roll call of the, of the faithful. And uh, we see in it many heroes of the faith, and we're going to continue looking at some of those heroes of the faith this morning. As we read, uh, let me remind you, as, as I have, as we've read through uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, we see him quite often when he starts quoting scripture, he says, as the Lord said, or as the Holy Spirit has said. Um, when he quotes scripture, he knows that scripture is God's word, and we too need to understand that scripture is God's word, even the word that is before us this morning. This is God's word. He is speaking to us through so out of respect and honor for God's word, I would ask you, if you're able, please stand together with me. And we will be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. Hear now the word of God. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Thus far, the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Now, I know that as we sometimes look at uh, others within uh, the, the Christian family, we think, I wish I could be more like them. Certain individuals, certainly like, like Billy Graham, you know, someone who has the opportunity to, had the opportunity to speak at times to tens of thousands of individuals at one time and giving them the gospel and having hundreds or thousands even respond to it. And we think, man, if I could have the faith like that to do that sort of thing, that would be so wonderful. Or maybe we look at other individuals uh, who have gone before us as well and, and think about how they have taught. And we think of R.C. Sproul and the, and the teaching uh, that he had where he was on the radio, and he's still on the radio, and, and thousands of people hear him every week. And they can even, we can even go on the Internet and, and find his teachings there, and his uh, teachings are spread throughout churches all over the world. We, we get that, and we, we look at people like that, and we go, Wow, what a, what a great man. What a great expression of faith to have that many people be able to hear the teaching of God and using me to do it. If we had that kind of ministry, we might feel more sure that we would never have uh, any doubts that God would look at that sort of faith and, and that would be so commendable for us. I could only be the new Billy Graham or the new R.C. Sprawl. Man, what faith. And God would look at me and go, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, as we look at our text this morning, we see some individuals that are here in this chapter that commends uh, the Old Testament uh, saints as being such incredible people of faith and they're lifting them up to us. We've seen uh, uh, Abel and we've seen uh, Enoch. We've seen Noah and certainly Abraham. We looked at Abraham last week and saw his faith and certainly he's looked at as the, the, great, the greatest of the heroes or champions of faith in scripture. 
And so this morning, we look at some others of these heroes of, of the faith, and um, we look at what God commends them for as being faithful. And maybe it's not what we might think. It's not speaking to tens of thousands of people at one time, or, or having radio programs that go out to thousands, or, or all these kinds of things. It's a little bit different about their faith. It's an ordinary faith, and it's ordinary faith that I think God should commend us for. And so this morning, I want us to look at these three uh, individuals from our text this morning. These three individuals who uh, are included as heroes of faith, and I want us to see the ordinary things about their lives that the author of Hebrews commends them for. The first one we see in verse 20 is Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regards to their future. Now, when we think of the patriarchs, when we think of those being given the, the promises of God, and we hear their names recited, it just rolls off our tongues real easy. You know, uh, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we think of the life of Abraham. There's quite a bit in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis about Abraham. We see a lot of his life and, and how he expressed faith in so many ways. And we think of Jacob. There's quite a bit about him in the Old Testament as well, the schemer that he was and the different things that he did in his scheming. We're going to look at that in just a little bit. But Isaac, when we think of him, he was the child of promise. We saw that back in verse uh uh, verse, uh, the verses just before uh, this, 17 through 19, and we, we see that uh, God promises to Abraham through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned, but that's not telling us a whole lot about Isaac in comparison to the other patriarchs. Isaac just doesn't have a, a lot told us about him in the Old Testament. So if we're looking into him as a man of faith, we might think, well, what, what things are... Should we look at it and go, well, this certainly showed his faith. I'm wondering about very early on, right after God gave uh, Isaac to uh, him and uh, 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 to Abraham and uh, Sarah. You know, Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 and past the age of giving children. But God promised, and so he gives his miracle child to Abraham and to Sarah. And then once uh, Isaac is a little older, he's probably possibly middle teens sort of thing, quite possibly. Um, in chapter 22 of Genesis, God tells Abraham, he says, now I want you to take Isaac, your son whom you love. You remember the one I promised you. It's through Isaac that all these blessings are going to come to you. Remember I promised you the stars of the sky and uh, are the uh, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. You remember him. I want you to take this one that I promised. All these will come to all these blessings will come to you through him. Now I want you to take him up to this mountain and sacrifice him to me. Abraham gets up early the next morning, takes Isaac, they go. And on the way, Isaac's intelligent enough to know that, you know, you need the fire for a sacrifice, you need the wood for a sacrifice. And he sees these as they're going up, and he says, but Dad, where's the sacrifice? And you remember Abraham responds, the Lord will provide, right? 
But I'm thinking that there must have been a whole lot more conversation going on as they're going up that mountain. As they're going up that mountain, I'm thinking that Abraham, knowing what's about to happen, is probably telling you, reminding his son, you know what, Isaac? You're a miracle child. You're a miracle child. Your mother was way too old to have you, and I was really too old too. But God promised, and he brought you. And you know what else he's promised to, to, to me about you? He's promised that through you, I'm going to have descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and the sand on the seashore. God always keeps his promises. I bet you, I don't know if for certain I'm reading between the lines here, I'm speculating, but I'm thinking that Abraham was telling Isaac this as they're going up the mountain. Because when they get up there and he builds the altar, this son who's able, he's old enough to reason, there's fire and there's wood, but there's no sacrifice, this is the one who... Now his father takes him and binds him, puts him on the altar, and he's got to be thinking, this is strange. <laughs> and he takes the knife back, ready to stab it into his chest. If he's that old, old enough to reason with his father this way, wouldn't he be old enough to reason to say, no, Dad, you're crazy. We're not doing this. Get me off of here. And you, you know, you, you bound me and start trying to roll. Wouldn't even able to do that. Maybe if I'm thinking about things to commend Isaac for faith, I might have commended that situation where he says, okay, you know, your dad has told you that you're the child of promise. Your dad has told you that through you there's going to be uh, the sins to me, stars in heaven and the sand of the seashore. And he remembered that and so he didn't, didn't, buck his father when this situation came about because he knew somehow that God was going to fulfill it. He knew, even as Abraham knew, that God was able to bring back from the dead if that's necessary. I might have speculated that would be the good thing to, to say. He was faithful. He trusted in the God who promised to Abraham and had promised to him he trusted that God was going to fulfill his promises to him. But that's not what he was commended or a little bit later in uh, Isaac's life, we know in that situation, God stopped Abraham, of course, and they, there's a ram caught in the bushes, and, and he uses them for the sacrifice. Um, but later, when uh, Isaac is 40, in Genesis chapter 24, there's not a woman around uh, that's good enough for him around there, and so Abraham sends a servant to find a wife for him. I guess things were different in those days, but in these days, I'd have been saying, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Let me, let me pick my own wife, right? I can do better than he, but somehow he doesn't balk with it. He doesn't argue about it. He trusts that the Lord's going to bring the right one, and the servant, you know, brings back just the right one. Right? Rachel comes back. He finds that she is beautiful. She's the right one for it. And he trusted that God was going to do this. I might have used that as an example of him being a child of faith, but that's not what he's commended for. What is he commended for? Interesting thing, we find it here in verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. You remember the blessing? I just... I didn't know that I could have picked this one. You remember the blessing of Jacob and Esau? 
Rebecca, when she becomes pregnant with the two, she's told the older will serve the younger, and certainly she tells uh, Isaac this, and he must know it, but when the children come out, uh, Esau was much more of a man's type of guy, right? He was a rugged individual. He was pretty hairy, too, right? I can imagine being that hairy, but he, he was hairy. And he loved to hunt, and he loved to fix the wild game that he would kill for his father just the way that his father loved it. Isaac's thinking it's the end of his life, and it's time to give the blessing. And he remembers the promise that had been given to Rachel about the older serving the younger, and that Jacob was supposed to get the blessing, but he's ready to give it to Esau. So he tells Esau, you go out, you kill some game, you bring it back in, you fix it for me. And uh, let me uh, enjoy the, the meal here, and I'll give you your blessing. Rachel finds out. She tells Jacob. They devise a scheme, right? We'll, we'll take a lamb and kill it, and we'll put the hair from the lamb on your arms so that when your dad, you know, might suspect that, that you're Jacob instead of Esau, and then you can go and say, well, fill my arm. You can feel my arm, and so that's what they do. And um, Rachel fix, or, or, yeah, Rachel fixes the. Rebecca fixes the meal, and uh, Jacob brings it to him. He doubts it, but he says, "Come here and let me see if you're really Esau." And he does, and he goes, "Okay." And he gives him the blessing. After uh, after a while, Esau comes in and realizes that that the blessing has been given to Jacob, and he's angry. And he says, Father, is there no blessing left for me? Is there nothing you can give to me? Can't you change your mind here? They tricked you. You should, you maybe should say, you know what? You, you tricked me in this. The blessing really doesn't go to you. <laughs> but that's not what he does. At this point, it seems that he figures out this is God's will. This is the way it's supposed to be. And God said the older will serve the younger, and the future is bright in God's plan. God holds the future. And so instead of taking that blessing back, he does give a little blessing to uh, Esau as well, but he leaves the blessing where it is, and he's saying God holds the future. He knows it's right. And that faith, that faith is what he's commended for here. Not for being faithful on the altar with uh, Abraham about to kill him, not for um, you know having the servant uh, go find a wife for him, not for anything else in his life, but he's commended for giving the blessing regarding the future. Interesting thing. Let's look at Jacob. Jacob is the next one in this passage, is a, is a hero of the faith. It's kind of odd that he would be a hero of the faith, right? I mean, after all... He was a trickster. He's the one who tricked his father, um, basically lying to him, telling him he's his brother. Uh, that's not honoring your father very well, is it? We look at that and go, that's not a good thing. Uh, and his brother becomes so angry with him, he promises, I'll kill him. Rachel finds out, or excuse me, Rebecca finds out, and she says, we can't have this. She uh, sends him to, uh, off to live with family, um, Goes and he goes and he lives with Laban, his uncle. He sees, uh, sees one of Laban's daughters, uh, Rachel. She is beautiful. 
and for him it was love at first sight. So he comes to Laban and says, Laban, I'd like to marry uh, Rachel, your daughter. And he's about to find a trickster as good as he is. He, uh, Laban says, okay, you can have Rachel as your wife, but first you have to work for me seven years. And you pay for her with your seven years' work here. So he works for her for seven years, and then the time comes, their wedding, and um, must have been some kind of party or something, but... Uh, Anyway, it, 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 Laban tricks him, gives him the older daughter, Leah, who he wasn't real crazy about because she had weak eyes. I'm not really sure what that means, but I don't think she was nearly as attractive. He wasn't as attracted to her, but somehow in the darkness of the night, it's Leah he marries and wakes up the next morning in the light, and it's like, oh, no, what has happened here? He goes to Laban and says, you tricked me. I work for Rachel. He says, well, I couldn't, couldn't marry off the younger one. The older one has to be married first. He says, I'll tell you what. Work for me in every seven, seven years, and I will give you Rachel. So sure enough, he does. He works for another seven years. Um, so he's got these two wives. They're having all, uh, or, uh, Rachel, the one that he really loves, the one he really wanted, she's not able to give him any children. <laughs> Leah's giving him children. She's giving him sons. And, and um, so Rachel finally says, here, I'll give you my handmaid. You have children with her, and it'll be mine. Okay? And so he does that. And, and then Leah, not to be outdone, says, I'll give you my handmaid. You have children with her. And he's, he's having all of these sons from them. Finally, finally he comes, and he... Uh, Rachel becomes pregnant and she gives birth to uh, Joseph. We look at uh, Jacob's life and all the trickster stuff and we go, well, that doesn't seem very faithful. It doesn't seem uh, very faithful. I, I think maybe when he moves back, knowing that his brother was there and was wanting to kill him and yet he still went back despite all that, I might have looked at that and thought, well, that could be something commendable for, uh, for faith, but... That's not what he is commended for. <laughs> Instead, what is he commended for? Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. What's he doing as he's blessing these sons? Well, you remember uh, uh, Joseph brings them to him and he, he arranges them so that the right hand will be on Manasseh and the left hand on Ephraim. And he brings them there in front of him like that. And Jacob crosses his hands, you know. And uh, Joseph tries to move his hands. He goes, no, this is the way it's going to be. Fixes it. He realizes that God has made promises in the future. And so he's going to bless them, remembering the promises that God has given. Trusting that God is going to fulfill his promises even as he has said. And so it is for this, this blessing that Jacob gives while he's dying, looking to the future and knowing that God is going to fulfill his promises. And he's showing it by giving these blessings. And so he's commended for faith in that. The next individual we see, we have much in the Old Testament about him in the book of Genesis, don't we? Uh, Joseph, we see by faith, Joseph, when he was near the end, spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt, and he gave instructions about his bones. 
When you think about Joseph's life, he's the favored son, certainly from the one wife that uh, uh, Jacob loved. And so when he comes along, he is the favored son. He's the one who gets given the coat of many colors. He starts having these dreams that all of his brothers are going to be bowing down to him. Might have been better for him to keep it silent, but he didn't. He went and told them, you know what? I'm having these dreams. You guys are bowing down to me again. Uh, well, this really, you know, the coat, many colors, and now these dreams, that's, that's just too much for them. So one day, they're out tending the flocks, and uh, Jacob says to Joseph, I need to find out where they are and what's going on. You go out and you check on them. And uh, so he's going out to check on his brothers, and they see him from a distance, and they say, well, here comes that dreamer. We'll show him about his dreams. So they take him to kill him, and they throw him in the pit, and they're discussing how they're going to kill him until one of the brothers comes and says, we can't kill him. After all, he is our brother, right? Can't kill our own flesh and blood. Look, here come the Midianites. Let's sell him into slavery. We can't kill him. We can sell him into slavery. So they sell him into slavery, midnights, they take him to Egypt, and this guy named Potiphar buys him as his slave. And, and he becomes head over all of Potiphar's household. Potiphar is enamored with his good work ethic. Potiphar's wife is enamored with something else. And she wants, uh, she wants Joseph. And so one day Potiphar's gone, she gets all the other servants out of the house. Joseph's there, and she says, come to bed with me. And he says, look. Potiphar hasn't, he, he's put me over everything in his household, and the only thing he's held back from me is you. How could I do this to him, and how could I stand against God by doing it? Well, she's scorned at this point. She grabs his coat to pull him into bed with her. He leaves his coat, runs out. She screams. Others come in, and she says, this man tried to, uh, he, he tried to uh, take advantage of me. Potiphar comes home, hears about it. Well, next thing you know, Joseph's in jail. I might have looked at this situation and go, that's a good situation, showing faith. Knowing that you shouldn't do this and obeying God, even when you might have somehow enjoyed that for a while. I, I don't know, but I might have looked at it and go, that, that was certainly an evidence of faith. Well, in jail, you recall um, these servants of Pharaoh have dreams he interprets them for them. They both come true. He says, when you get out, tell someone about it. Well, they get out, and sure enough, they forget. <laughs> but he remains faithful in jail, uh, even so. He's forgotten in jail. I might have looked at that and go, you know, he remains faithful even in jail. That's a good expression of faith. I might have looked at, uh, you know, when he gets out, when Pharaoh's dream about the seven fat calves and the seven skinny calves coming and eating them and he gives a faithful interpretation of this seven years of, of prosperous and seven years of drought and the seven years of drought are going to eat up all the, all the bounty that you had in those seven years. Pharaoh looks at it and goes, that's good. That's, that's got to be what this means. And so he puts him in charge of everything. Um, I might have looked at that in his faithful way of, of continuing to trust in the Lord to bring about these things to him. So that was certainly a man of faith. I might have looked at him as a man of faith when his brothers come, his father dies, and it's time his brothers think there's revenge coming. And he does, and he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I might have looked at that and go, that's, that's certainly a tremendous expression of faith. 
But the author of Hebrews, when he looks at Joseph's life, that's not what he's that's not what he's commended for for his faith. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. In Genesis uh, 50, verses 24 and 25, he, he tells the other Israelites that are there, he says, I'm going to die here. But when you get out of Egypt and go back to the land that God has promised us, you take my bones. What's he doing? He's saying God has promised a bright future. God, who's promised a bright future, has it in his control. And I believe him completely. He's commended for looking to the future and knowing that God is going to fulfill his promises even though he's about to die. When we look at these three, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, we might look at them and go, well, that's not what I would have thought of as faith or being faithful. What I think of as being faithful is preaching to tens of thousands at one time, and that is, but what are these guys commended for? They're commended for remembering God's promises about the future. God's in control of it. And looking to the future and saying, I believe it enough to bless these children. I believe it enough to make uh, make you swear on an oath to take my bones out of here when you go because God is going to fulfill it. So what about us? When we look at these examples, these heroes of the faith, you know, they went through some difficult times. Jacob and, and Joseph really went through some difficult times in their lives, and yet they were able through it all to continue to trust that God has given them promises, he's faithful, and he will bring it to pass. Notice when each of these individuals is giving their, uh, this episode where they're committing for their faith. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. When was this in Isaac's life? Why was he about to give the the blessing to Esau. He thought he was going to die. He's towards the end of his life. He can't see anymore. He does live on a, uh, some more years, but he thought he was at the end of his life. And here thinking, I'm at the end of my life. I'm trusting God still for the future. What about Jacob? When is he commended? At what point in his life? By faith, when he was dying. He barely had breath to... To, to speak these things. He's leaning on his, on his pole, on his staff as he's worshiping God. He has, to, he has to have that there in order for him to be able to stand up to give this blessing. He is at the end of his life and he's still looking for God, looking to God, the one who's given the promise. He's saying he still holds the future even though I'm about to die. What about Joseph? Verse 22. When his end was near, when his end was near. Here I am at the end of my life. God has made these promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm part of those promises too. Here it is at the end of my life. I haven't seen it fulfilled yet. But it is going to happen. Because I know the one who has given this promise. 
and he is faithful and true, and he will bring it to pass. When the events of our lives get so rough and cause us maybe to take our eyes off of, of God, we need to remember even as these guys did, that even if we reach the end of our lives here and now and all these promises aren't fulfilled, the promises of a bright and a glorious future in Christ Jesus, they're not fulfilled just yet. The God who's made those promises is faithful and true, and he will bring it to pass. That's the faith God is looking for, a faith that continues even to the very end. In the last breath of our lives, we're still trusting that he is good and that he is in control and that our future is bright because of it. Let's pray.